all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His Word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. So what the author saying, don't go backwards. You've got a relationship with God now. You, you know Jesus. Don't go backwards to just going through the motions of religion. Get it? Okay, hopefully you got it here. So... We're going to clarify and understand these six principles. Repentance from dead works. Speaking to the Jewish Christians that they've already repented from following that religious system thinking that that's what's going to get them right with God. And he's saying, you're over that now, aren't you? Come on. You're you're saved, born again, walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. You're over that now. So uh, hopefully you've changed your mind about the law of Moses and going through all those rituals. Uh, Even though the law was good, it was weak because of the weakness of our sinful flesh. Let me give you a couple of verses on that. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes this in verse 8. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate and the ungodly and the sinners and for unholy, profane, for murderers and fathers of fathers and mothers. Uh, excuse me, I'm adding words here. For murderers of fathers and mur- murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers. Boy, this is not politically correct, is it? Because some of these things in here are now something to be proud of. For liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel, of the blessed God, which committed to my trust. Now, he started out saying that the law is not made for the righteous person. Who's righteous? Those who trust Christ. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm righteous. Now, I'm not saying it bragging. I'm proud of Jesus. But I'm righteous because I have the divine swap. He took my sins I took his righteousness. I'm right with God because of Jesus. So the law was not made for the righteous. Okay? So I hope hope you're taking notes on this. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. Also, Romans 8, 3 clarifies something else. Paul writes, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son. Now there's more, but listen. You could, if God just gave you a bunch of rules and say, here's the way to heaven, keep the rules, see you later. Guess how full heaven would be? Mm-mm. But, but what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. If you understand the gospel, you're set free from all these legalistic rituals. If you understand the gospel, it's just me and Jesus. Why do I always tell you it's all about? Yeah, because it is, okay? Now, here's your next fill-in. 
This uh, repentance from dead works can also be applied to us in any attempt to earn God's favor or grace through our performance. I want you to understand something. As, oh, I guess I should read it again. This repentance from dead works can also be applied to us. In case you missed any of the words, I'll read it again. In any attempt to earn God's favor or grace through our performance. Now here's something that's, as I've gone over Hebrews 6 over and over again, I want you to know it's not about your performance. Some of you have been so threatened by the warnings in Hebrews 6 that you think, oh no, I'm not good enough. Well, that's a given. You're not good enough. Oh no, I'm not doing enough. Right, none of us are doing enough, okay? So we all fail. It's not about our performance. It's about our faith. So as you're reading forward through Hebrews 6 and you're preparing for next week's study, understand that you can't lose through lack of performance what you've never gained through your performance, okay? It's not about, oh no, I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough. That's obvious. So it's about faith not performance, okay? Now, obedience is, of course, another category that God calls you to obey. He calls you to repent. Of course, we need to live an obedient life. So, continuing on our list of six, the first pair concerning justification, how we're justified before God, number one is dead works. It's talking about faith, not works. That's how you're right with God. I like the way Romans 5.1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by doing everything right. Being justified by perfect church attendance. Being justified by never sinning. You can put anything else in there. You know what the Bible says? Therefore, being justified by faith. Oh, that takes a load off of me. That just takes a burden off my back. I can just trust God that he did it for me. He obtained my salvation on the cross. The work of Christ on the cross was all that I needed. And I'm justified by grace through faith because I trust in him. Now when we get into Hebrews 6 later, the next couple verses next week, uh, he's talking about people who aren't walking in faith anymore. They're abandoning faith. Okay, and we'll look at that. Now, First, verse 1 again. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying on again the foundations of, number one was dead works, and number two, the next one for your fill-in is faith towards God. Okay? These are things that the Jews had to get over when they're converted from the law of Moses to Christianity. They get over the dead works part, and now they got to understand what the faith towards God is all about. These are doctrines that Jewish believers had to settle as they're leaving behind all of these legalistic requirements, and these are the elementary principles of conversion. Faith towards God. Oh, I'm going to give you some elementary verses that you've heard years ago. Verses that maybe when you first got saved, somebody shared this verse with you, but you need to never forget it. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, Paul says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wait a minute, that's too easy. Don't I have to crawl on my knees on broken glass or something? I tell you, there's religions that have done that. There's religions that call themselves Christian that would beat themselves with with cat of nine tails, all kinds of stuff. They're trying to earn their salvation. Throw that away. Christ took it off for you. And, and we are saved by believing in our heart 
that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He goes on to say, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Oh, 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 did I put that in there? Look at, maybe you should underline that in your Bible. Believes unto righteousness. How do you get righteous before God? How are you found righteous? Faith. That is so counterintuitive. That's just so, that's not the way I think. You've got to earn it. You've got to deserve it. No, you're not going to deserve it. You'll never earn it. It's because of what Jesus did for you. Only because of what Jesus did for you that you receive the righteousness of God. It's the divine swap of 2 Corinthians 5.21. You get forgiven, not just forgiven, but you get made righteous. It says, believes unto righteousness. Now don't miss that because a lot of even Christian legalists just read right past that and they add all kinds of rules to it. Let me read on. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Wait, you mean I got to say something? Well, you know what? It's just... By the way, confession is agreeing with God. I'm a sinner. You're the Savior. I bow before you. Confession is just admitting what God already said and confessing in agreement with him. Verse 11, For the scriptures say, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Doesn't that sound wonderful? True confession. Let me just tell you true confession. If God made it any harder, I wouldn't make it. Just me. I don't know about you. But if God made it any harder... He made salvation so easy that even I can get it. He made salvation so available that even I could go to heaven. And I think that means there's room for you too, okay? Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is rich unto all those who call upon him. Listen to this. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call out to Jesus, folks. That's all it takes. So there's... There's dead works, there's faith towards God, the two first principles that the Jews had to get over and work through in order to be saved. But then there's the next two, that was past tense, there's the next two that are present tense, and the first one is sanctification. I, actually, they're both, they both have to do with sanctification. Let's look at it in verse 2. It says, the doctrines of baptisms and the laying on of hands. Now, these are two sanctification issues, so let's go over them one at a time, how they would relate to the Jews. Because remember, this book is a very Jewish book but it's Jewish Christians. So, number three in our list of six is the doctrine of baptisms. We'll look at laying on of hands next, but uh, the doctrine of baptisms, some of your Bibles actually say washings because this isn't just about baptism as you know it. As a matter of fact, the Christian church knows only one baptism and one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and, and, uh, but the Jewish religion... The Jewish religion had all kinds of washings. As a matter of fact, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, I believe, really nails it. Okay, so the, the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, let me read it to you. It says, teachings about ritual washings. Doesn't that nail it for the Jews? Ritual washings. That's really what the author is dealing with here. See, it, it was a fundamental Christian principle to distinguish between the Christian rite of baptism, which we're all familiar with, and, and it signifies faith in Christ, and the many ceremonial ritual washings that were the mark of the pious Jew. You've got to grow past that and just come to the Lord. Okay? So, doctrine of baptism. We move with, through that one fast. Okay, so next one is number four. is found in verse two. It says, 
the laying on of hands. So the laying out of hands is another elemental principle, and it was practiced by believers. Now, the Jewish people had a whole deep concept of what the laying out of hands meant. Let me just make it simple. It, was, it symbolized transfer, to transfer power or to transfer guilt or to transfer authority. As a matter of fact, one example is on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, uh, you could read about it in Levit- Leviticus chapter 16, verse 21, that the... Uh, the priest would lay his hand on a goat and confess the sins of the people and they'd turn the goat loose and run him out of town and that was supposed to represent all the sins of Israel were on that goat. Have you ever heard the expression scapegoat? That's where it came from. Oh, well, you're using me as your scapegoat, blaming me for everything you did. Well, this is where it came from. Leviticus chapter 16 where they'd, they'd put all the sins upon this goat, this goat and run him out of town and, and he supposedly the sins of Israel were supposed to be run out of town, okay? Uh, so, the New Testament usage, they were laying out of hands to transfer healing, like, like Jesus. In Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 5, verse 23, Jesus would lay hands and heal. He would transfer healing power or transfer grace. Uh, when commissioning the first deacons in Acts chapter 6, the apostles prayed, and then they laid hands on the men, transferring responsibility and authority upon them. And in all probability, uh, the early church, during baptism, they'd lay hands on those who they'd baptized, symbolizing the transfer of the Holy Spirit upon them. So the laying out of heads was like a transfer of authority, guilt, power, depending on how it's used. Uh, so again, the Jewish Christian might want to subtly retreat back to his old religion and perhaps even blur the line somehow to avoid persecution and go back to some of these old rituals of what laying on of hands meant. Folks, it's a whole new ball game here in the Christian church. So now let's look at the next, the last two uh, principles that we're going to look at in, in verse 2 still. And the first one is the resurrection of the dead. And these are now talking about future issues. Number 5, verse 2. <clears throat> Let me read this to you. Of the resurrection of the, the dead and eternal judgment. Okay. Um, the resurrection of the dead actually refers to the res- resurrection of all people in the end times, future, right? And you could read about it in Revelation chapter 20. As a matter of fact, what I'm going to do is some of these things I'm not going to go in depth on. I'm going to let the small groups read. I'm giving you all kinds of verses. You could see them in your notes and your filling if you want to look them up if you're not in a small group, but you should get into a small group, okay? But uh, it's, it's the resurrection at the end of time in Revelation chapter 20. Now, resurrection is also an Old Testament teaching, and the Jews could blur what it means. You could read about it uh, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, and Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And the resurrection to the Jews, it, it's interesting because this was a dividing point among the Jews. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection and taught about the resurre- resurrection. This is the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. But the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. As a matter of fact, did I ever tell you that before? Here's how I remember the difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducees. The Pharisees believed in resurrection of the dead and eternal life. The Pharisees believed in angels, and that's only fair, you see. Huh? Right? All right, anyway. But the Sadducees didn't believe in life after death. They didn't believe in in, um, the resurrection, and they didn't believe in angels, and that's very sad, you see. 
All right, you guys just aren't with it today. Okay. Anyway, that's how I remember, maybe because you've heard it so many times if you've been coming to this church here, okay? But the resurrection was denied by the Sadducees. So it's another thing that Jews, Jews coming to believe in Christ, depending if you were under Sadducees or Pharisees, it could be another issue that's blurred and confused. But to the Christians, believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? Essential, okay? Without Jesus' resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin. Let me read to you what Paul said about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, Now if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, we're found false witnesses of God because we've, not, we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, which he did not raise up because there's no resurrection from the dead, right? So if the fact that the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. See, what Paul is saying here is, man, our faith hinges on resurrection, the belief of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection, number one, and secondly, because of Christ's resurrection, we will all be raised and stand before God and be judged. We'll look at that last. Okay, that's the next one. But the resurrection is a major, indispensable part of the Christian faith. Uh, the Christian faith is all about resurrection. The Christian faith is all about Jesus. And the Christian faith is all about your future resurrection. Otherwise, live how you want to live. Do what you want to do because it doesn't matter. We're gonna, we're, when you're dead, you're dead, right? But that's not Christianity. Now, finally, let's look at number six, the last principle, and it's, again, a yet future principle, and it's eternal judgment, found in verse two, the last part of verse two, of eternal judgment. He's talking about these doctrines of, and this one's eternal judgment. Eternal judgment refers to the belief that everyone will be judged by God, who's the real judge. You know, it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. It doesn't matter if you've impressed your boss, or impressed your kids, or impressed other people. What really matters is how God sees you. And if God is pleased with you or displeased with you. So, uh, because the consequences of being judged by God are eternal consequences. It's not like, oh well, I got a, I got a D. We'll just, we'll live on. I got an F. No, these are eternal consequences. The scriptures indicate, by the way, that there are two judgments. One for the believers, which Jesus determines uh, that the believer's reward. It's called the Bema Seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. And I believe I put these in your notes for the small groups to look at. And there's another for the unbelievers, and it's a judgment of condemnation for all where there's the great white throne judgment in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15. It's heavy. You don't want to be at that second judgment. Okay. The first one's stand before Christ to get our rewards, or loss of rewards, depending on how, how you live, or standing before God, the Father, opening up the books, and final judgment in the great white throne. That's not a good one, okay? So, <clears throat> now, let's read our text once more through, and we're going to close with a few closing comments. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1, let's get the flow of it. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying out again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. 
And this will do if God permits. He's saying, you know, if we have to, we'll go through them. It's not bad. It's not a sin to go through them. But if God permits, you know, it's like as the Lord wills. You hear that expression? Guess what? The Lord willed. He just let us get through them. I can't believe how many times I've, I've listened to a Bible study on Hebrews 6 and they concentrate on the scary verses. And they don't take time for these six principles that we just looked at today. I think they're important. Because I want you to know that these are issues that hang up religious people. These are issues that people who are hung up in religion get hung up on these verses. So do you have them settled? Do you understand these? Hopefully, if not, <clears throat> you talk further in your small groups about it. But I pray that you're settled on these elementary principles of Christ. I pray that you're settled with the ABCs and you're ready to move on to maturity. Repentance from dead works? Are you over the legalism and trying to do works to earn God's favor? Do you understand that God loves you and he paid for your sins on the cross and you don't have to add anything to the work of Christ on the cross? That's legalism? I, I hope, bottom line with that one, I hope you're trusting in Christ's work on the cross rather than your work in your life. That's the difference between dead works. Okay? Faith towards God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Huh? We all know John 3.16 that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why do you think that verse is so popular? Because it just puts the cookie on the bottom shelf and says it all. It's so good. Faith towards God. The doctrine of baptisms, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Lord, help us to keep that down. Laying out of hands, the transfer of grace and authority. Resurrection of the dead. I hope you get that settled, that Christ died for you and rose again. And because he died, you're going to, in like manner, you're going to, after you die, you're going to resurrect. And, and, okay, the last one isn't everyone's favorite, but eternal judgment. Are you living in the light of coming judgment? You know, I believe that we would live all live so differently if every day we just lived understanding someday I'm going to stand before God and give account of my life. I really think there's a difference. Rather than, I hope my boss doesn't catch me. I hope my wife doesn't catch me. I hope my husband doesn't know what I just did. I hope, well, you, could, you might get away with that stuff. But you won't get away with hiding anything from God. If you live in the light of knowing that God knows everything about you and someday you'll stand before him and give account, it'll change your life. You'll live, you'll live different. You'll live better. And so let's go on to maturity. And folks, if you've, if you're in a backslidden condition, well, Hebrews 6 is for you, okay? If you're in a backslidden condition, God is calling you to repent and come back. Whether you've backslidden back into just thinking you're going through the motions of works, or whether you're in living in actual sin, God's calling you to come back to him and just believe the simple gospel of grace. It's so powerful. Father, we bow before you right now. We just admit our need for you. And I want to lift up to you my brothers and sisters, as they hear this. And first of all, Lord, I know, I know that maybe there's some people either listening online or even sitting in our midst who aren't saved and need to get saved. But Lord, first of all, we bring ourselves to you as Christians. And I pray that you help us. If there's something that we need to change, if there's somewhere we need to get right with God, Lord, help us to bow before you and to be what we ought to be. And if I'm praying for you, if you are a believer who is backslidden or needs to get right with God for some reason, something's not right with God, would you just slip your hand up while every head is bowed, every eye is closed? Just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. If you're backslidden or there's something in your life you need to bring before God, you need him to help you with. God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip your hand up. 
God bless. Anyone else that you would stand up and say, I need to get right with God. I, I know him, I'm saved, but something's not right with me. I want to get right. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? God bless you. God bless you. Mm. Father, you know our hearts. Lord, even before the hands went up, you knew. You knew the hearts of those who are struggling. Lord, as those sincere Christians would admit, I know that's a form of confession. And raising their hands, they're confessing, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm not right with you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. And I pray that you hear their cry right now. And if, I'm, if it's you I'm praying for, could you just whisper a little prayer to the Lord? Nobody else around you needs to hear it. What is it that you're repenting of? What is it that you're turning from? What is it that's been standing between you and God? Would you say it to him? Don't just say, God, forgive me all my sins. Name it specifically. Say, Lord, forgive me for... And tell him. Tell him what it is. Or you'll never change. If you don't put your finger on it, it'll never change. Would you confess before him? Say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for that sin. And if you or anybody here, maybe somebody online watching, streaming right now, and you don't know if you're saved, you don't know that your sins are forgiven, you're not sure you're, you even got saved in the first place, but you want to get saved, all you got to do is just trust in the work of Christ on the cross for you. All you got to do, as we've already looked at, is, is believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to close right now, but we're going to close in a prayer of unity that all of us together, let's make a prayer of confession, the confession of faith. And if you've never done that before, would you pray this prayer with us? Let's all pray it together. Just repeat after me. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I know that I have sinned. I know that I'm guilty. Jesus, I know that you're the Savior. I know that you died for me. I trust in you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and make me whole. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, he's the resurrection. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.